Hello and welcome to the First Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. First Lutheran Church lives by the mission statement, called by the Spirit, we serve Christ, sharing God's love with all. And we are glad to share this good news with you this week. According to St. John, the 8th chapter. Jesus speaks of truth and freedom as spiritual realities known through his word. He reveals the truth that sets people free from sin. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household, but the son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of our Lord. you to be seated and I invite the children up for a short message. Hey kiddos, we're going to gather around this, this font here, so stay standing. Naomi, come back here. Yep. Let's see. Everybody gather in a circle around this font. A circle, this shape. Keep going. There you go. Okay. Well, now, littlest ones, 
Oh, you brought a coloring page. Here, Claire, come over here. Come stand with us. We want you to be a part of this. Okay, so today I want to ask you all, have you all ever made a pinky promise before? Yeah? What is a pinky promise? Big kids, anybody? A promise you won't break? Because what, you make a knot right with your fingers like that? Yeah. A promise you hope never to break. You will try your best. Both will promise not to break it. Right, okay. You don't break your bones. That's very good. Drink your milk, Naomi. Okay. Well, you guys, this is a font, okay, and it's filled with water, okay, and this just isn't any water. It's water that represents how God can wash away that which is bad or that which is old or that which doesn't, doesn't belong in our lives, okay? And each of you all have come to this font and God has done something awesome and welcomed you into the family. And when that happens, when you're baptized, you all make a promise, something stronger than a pinky promise. And guess what? You all promise in your families and this congregation promise to journey with God, to love God and to love your neighbor. And God promises to be with you every step of the way. Okay? And so today we're going to talk about how God makes that promise to us and how we are to follow through with that promise to God. So we're going to say a prayer. And for our prayer today, here, Lucas, come this way a little bit. We are going to link our pinkies. Okay? So hold on. You want to link my pinky? That's fine. Make sure, here, here, Claire, can you link your pinky? That works. And then Sammy, can you hold her fingers? Okay. Good job, everybody. Good job. Here you go. Here. Why don't we put that right here? Okay. Let's hold hands or pinkies. Like a promise that can't be broken. Okay, we're going to say a prayer. Charlie and William, you guys link your pinkies. We'll do our best. It's okay. All right, you all, we're going to say a prayer, okay? Around this font of promise, okay? So repeat after me. Good morning, God. We promise to be with you. And you promise to be with us. We love you. Amen. All right, you all can head back to your seats. Well, today we, we recognize the Reformation, and we also, uh, which marks the anniversary of Martin Luther, our, our namesake, nailing the 95 theses against the Catholic Church 
and their practices of selling indulgences. Now, though Luther was one among many who was rising up against the religious authorities of the time, he was the one that becomes the most notable, recognized person of that event. Luther, in his time, created many tools to help teach the faith, to help teach the faith that he believed was what God intended, and to help bring people, uh, and not just the religious leaders, to the church and to understand the scriptures. So one of the uh, many familiar things that Luther created was the small catechism. And it was a teaching tool designed for families to read in their homes. Uh, teaching parents, equipping them, since parents are the primary faith influencers for their children. Now this is true today as well. No matter what social media or or peers, or even the church says, children are influenced both positively and negatively by the faith of their families. Luther also wrote the large catechism that was given for the use of church leaders to help guide them to a common and unified understanding of scripture and church doctrine. And Luther was also the first to translate the Bible into the people's language one of many efforts to make God more accessible to the people. And then there was the Lutheran Rose that was developed in 1530, and you see it here on the pulpit. And in your bulletin was a card with the Lutheran Rose and the description. It was yet another tool designed to be understood and shared even among those who were undereducated or illiterate. And here is how Luther himself explained its meaning. First, there is a black cross in the heart that remains its natural color. This is to remind me that it is faith in the crucified one that saves us. Anyone who believes from the heart will be justified. It is a black cross which mortifies and causes pain, but it leaves the heart its natural color. It doesn't destroy nature, that is to say, it does not kill us, but keeps us alive. The heart should stand in the middle of a white rose. This is to show that faith gives joy, comfort, and peace. Faith does not give peace and joy like the world gives. This is why the rose must be white and not red. This rose should stand in a sky-blue field, symbolizing that a joyful spirit and faith is the beginning of a heavenly future joy. And around the field of blue is a golden ring to symbolize that blessedness in heaven lasts forever and has no end. Heavenly blessedness is exquisite, beyond all joy and better than any possessions, just as gold is the most precious and valued Metal. Luther and his many different various ways of teaching and sharing the faith made this to help us to understand the gospel, not just written in words and in, in scripture, but in our lives to guide and direct us with the Spirit. Our first reading comes from Jeremiah, which 
which is the first lesson each year on this Reformation Day. In it we read, But this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Throughout Scripture, we see God making promises to God's people, and the people making promises to God. And throughout Scripture, we see the people of God break their promises, break their covenant, break a vow, and break the relationship with God. It is the nature of human sin, and it is seen all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when those first humans formed in God's perfect hand disobey the simple instructions given to them, splintering even then the relationship that God was creating. But God didn't break the promise. God was still with them. And at the time of Noah, after sin and brutality had plagued the nations, the 40 days of the flood were a sign of God's ability to wipe away sin then and now from our hearts and to then pave a way to new life with God. And after the rain, God gave a promise. God said, I am going to make a solemn promise to you and to everyone who will live after you. I promise every living creature that the earth and those living on it will never again be destroyed by a flood. The rainbow that I have put in the sky will be my sign to you and to every living creature. It will remind you that I will keep this promise forever. After that promise from God, again, soon after, the people break another promise to God. But still, God doesn't break the promise. God is still with them. Over and over again in Scripture, we see this pattern. The people of Israel had been freed from slavery and were wandering in the wilderness to make their way back to the land of milk and honey and abundance and life with God. And on the way, they became lost. And so God called Moses up a high mountain and gave him the tablets of stone upon where were written the Ten Commandments. And after returning down from the mountain, he finds the people of God desperate, impatient, and making a golden pagan idol. The law, those commandments, the, another opportunity for the people of God to make a promise to God. That was broken before Moses even made it down the mountain. But God didn't break the promise. Still, God was with them. So Moses went back up the mountain and got a second set. Over and over again, the people of God, sinful by nature, break the law of God, break their promises, break a holy covenant. But God is still with them. The steadfast love of God in the Spirit still blew, blew through the world, paving a way for new life with Christ. And so we read from Jeremiah a, a future, a beautiful hope. That the law wouldn't be some exterior code of conduct that would be struggled to follow, but it would be something that would be written on our hearts. It would change who we are, changing our identity. Well, in our, in our worship service are four main parts, 
And they're outlined in your bulletin in bold, large font. Gathering, word, meal, and sending. It's the same pattern of behavior for when you invite guests to your home. You gather and welcome them in. You have a word, you sit and chat, you share a meal, and then you say goodbye. Well, in worship, we gather and we welcome one another. We welcome God into our midst and into our hearts and into this space. We share God's word, reading scripture and reflecting together. We share God's holy meal, this holy supper. And then we are sent forth, refreshed by this community and this time with God. Well, in our gospel today, Jesus said, if you continue in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When Jesus is saying this about the word, he's not speaking about the scrolls that had been confined to the temple courts, not even the Bibles in our hands or the scriptures in our bulletins or on our screens. The word is not a thing. The word is a being. The word is made flesh in our Savior. The word is made known in the activities of healing and compassion and welcome and sacrifice and the power of life over death. As we hear in our communion liturgy, uh, after supper, Jesus took a cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. This covenant would not be like the covenant God made with their ancestors. It wouldn't rely on human action or behavior. It would be selfless. It would be God pouring out grace to sinners. It would be for all people. It wouldn't be a thing. It would be a being. It would be an act. It would be something that would change who we are. So the Reformation today that we recognize is not only the commemoration of how one monk, who was really a psalms professor at a backwater university in Saxony, changed the world uh, with nothing more than words. It is a commemoration of how the Spirit of God stirs the people to renewal, to recreation. How the Spirit of God paves a way for all people to return to God, to recommit, and to be reawakened by God's powerful Spirit. We celebrate the Holy Spirit, who in the midst of a time of famine of the Word of God, showered down grace from heaven. We celebrate the Spirit who broke through centuries of dying and finally human tradition, to resurrect, renew, and recreate the church. And it causes, even compels us, to consider the church today, the hearts and practices and community, and what parts need to be resurrected, renewed, and recreated. So we do not gather to celebrate a monk in Wittenberg, The Reformed don't celebrate a lawyer, or the Methodists don't celebrate Wesley. We are all commonly gathered to celebrate the Holy Spirit, who from time to time shakes free from the bonds of tradition, and as in the days of old, addresses us face to face, saying, Choose this day whom you will serve. 
It is the Spirit of God here in our midst, blowing into our lives to guide us into relationship with God and with one another. And the steadfast Spirit of God still blows through our lives, guiding us to live. Live as though our identity is changed through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Now, Martin Luther had many admirable traits, but he was not perfect, far from it. He was uh, one of great human sin because of his anti-Semitism. The church has had to grieve and make amends and work hard to heal the damage of that bad influence he made. But it further illustrates that we are all in need of grace upon grace upon grace. And that despite the pull of sin in our world, the sin to hurt one another with our words, to fail to forgive, the sin of prejudice, or the neglect of those in need, despite the sins of this world like our ignorance to uh, the aching creative world, despite our ignorance and blindness to the injustices all around us, God is still here. God's steadfast love and spirit still blows through the church and through our lives. So God is here in the midst of change and trial, working God's amazing power. So as you all have noticed, our pyramids have changed to red this weekend. And we have a number of different colors that help to tell the story of our faith through the church year. Uh, we just had a number of months of green. During the summer, we celebrate the season of Pentecost, a time of growth. It's unfortunately called ordinary time, <laughs> but that's the season of growth, the season of Pentecost. In a, in a couple months, nope, in a, in a couple weeks, we'll change to the color blue for Advent, which is that color of the dawn before the sun comes. Then there's a season of Lent, that is purple, that comes before Easter, when we prepare for the coming of the king with that royal color. Next week, we'll change to white, a color of celebration and joy. We will uh, we'll celebrate All Saints Sunday. White's also for Epiphany and the baptism of our Lord and Christmas. And then we have the color of the pyramids gold that we, we put up for Easter. And then we have red. And red is used on Pentecost Sunday, a recognition when the Spirit of God that descended on the people of Pentecost like tongues of fire comes still to this day. That the Spirit of God will still accompany us, guide and direct us. The Spirit is poured out in wind and fire and, and water and bread and wine. And so today... Our color is red, not because of Martin Luther or his acts of heresy against the church, but because of the work of the Spirit through the church that continues through each of us here and now. So let us pray for God's steadfast Spirit that continues to renew our lives and our church. Let us pray. Gracious God, your word of truth and life is written on our hearts. 
the very promises of God's grace poured out from the cross. Guide our lives that we may be renewed to serve you and share your love with all people. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that these words and message inspired you in your faith journey as you grow with God. We would love to see you at worship, either online via Facebook Live or in person at 1234 Southwest Fairlawn Road at 5 p.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sundays. God loves you, and so do we.